So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this time together in your word, may you open your word to our heart as we choose to open our heart to your word again today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning is a standalone message. Uh, next week, uh, Thanksgiving message, and then we dive into our same page focus uh, through the book of Colossians. But today, this is church. This is church. goes without saying that the last six months have been a unique season for the church in our world and for our church. Before uh, COVID, we taught that the church is not a building. Still true. Before COVID, we taught that it's vital for the church body to gather. Still true. Both are important realities in the New Testament for a healthy uh, and a biblically functioning body. The church is not a building, so we must go to reach people with the good news of Jesus. But to do that effectively, we also must gather to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, and to be equipped for uh, the mission of Jesus in our world. The, these two activities have uh, always been and will always be priorities for the church of Jesus. Going, gathering. Gathering, going. And just to clarify for those who may not be familiar, when you hear the word church or you read it in the New Testament, the word church, it's not a reference to a denomination or a building or an institution. It's a reference to uh, a group of people, people who've committed their lives to follow Jesus and have trusted him as the forgiver uh, of their sin and the leader of their life. The church is God's design and the New Testament is the blueprint for his church. This is church and it's all about community and cause. Community, in other words, where we're encouraged the place where we're strengthened, the place, again, where we're equipped for mission in community with other believers. And cause what Jesus, the head of the church, calls us as his followers to engage in, and that is making disciples. Reaching people and making disciples. I want to read uh, Acts uh, from the book of Acts, uh, which is uh, the history record of the early church in the New Testament, uh, the fifth book of the New Testament after the four Gospels, uh, which themselves are eyewitness accounts of the life of Christ. The book of Acts opens uh, with Jesus ascending back to heaven and leaving his followers with the big responsibility of, uh, of disseminating his mission and his message of, of love and grace and forgiveness in the world. Right at the beginning, Acts, the second chapter actually, verses 42 to 47. And we won't go through this passage phrase by phrase, but I want to read this description of what a New Testament church is to be as kind of a, a foundation for everything we'll talk about. Acts 2, 42 to 47. Grab a Bible. If you don't have one, let us know. We'd love to get one to you. They devoted themselves, that is, Christ followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's a day when we're going to be able to do that again. I know it. 
And verse 47, uh, meeting together, eating together, being glad. And then verse 47, praising God and enjoying favor, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a, what a beautiful and powerful description of what was going on. I read a book this summer called Canoeing the Mountains about adaptive leadership. And in light of this message, a paragraph caught my attention when the author uh, highlighted examples of community and cause, but he used different words, relationship and purpose. He writes in that book, in a, in a church body, when the members and the mission are aligned and working symbiotically toward a shared goal, the church functions well. People are both loved, relationship, and challenged, purpose. There is both a commitment to depth and authenticity, and then in brackets he has relationship, and space to welcome new people, in brackets, purpose. There is an ability, he writes, to accept people as they are, relationship, and to be continually transformed into the likeness of Christ, purpose. There is a deep desire to enjoy life together, relationship, and use our resources and energy to serve and reach others, purpose. Well said. Kind of overlapping some of the activities that we read about in Acts 2 a moment ago. This is church, community, cause. Church, as community, is love, prayer, and care for one another. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller writes this statement, the soul needs to interact with other people to be healthy. Interesting comment, especially from someone who, by his own admission, is, you know, has, to, has to work, has to be intentional about connecting with others. For some of you, that statement totally resonates, makes sense, personality-wise, no problem. For others of you, that's a stretch. And yet the truth is, human beings were created by God for community. Some of you are part of a community because you ride a motorbike. Um, when you're riding your bike and another biker passes the other direction, what do you do? You wave, right? But not just any wave. A few weeks ago, I was riding behind a biker on a secondary highway for quite a long time and numbers of bikes passed every time. It was the ultra cool wave. Now, I don't know if you can see this down here. It's this little, but it's lower, right? It's this, this wave down here. I'm not sure if you can catch that or not. And I don't know, if I tried that driving my Hyundai SUV with my driver's side window down, a biker came, he'd be like, weirdo. You know, I'm not part of the community, <laughs> and it's very evident, although I'd like to be. i got to talk to Miriam about that, my wife, buying a bike. And all. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other message series, actually. So, uh, healthy community in the body of Christ can be described by many positive words, but three key ones, we just said them, love, prayer, care. And when those words are strongly evident and strongly present, uh, present there are uh, then numerous other great characteristics that will be evident in that church. Where, where love, prayer, and care are characteristics of a local church, you can expect a grace response 
In other words, it's a church where people know that they can be honest about their failures. It's a place where they feel comfortable to, uh, to confess their sin because they know they're not going to be rejected by, by God or by the family of God as they repent of their sin. That's a powerful and beautiful thing. I like what Wayne Cadero uh, says, Pastor Wayne Cadero in his book, Irresistible Church. He says, you can relax at this church knowing it's a model of growth, not perfection. I mean, who, who wants to try to hold up that facade anyway? Not perfect, just forgiven. Not perfect, uh, but forgiven and growing. Where love, prayer, and care are characteristics of a local church. You can expect that they'll be watching out for one another. The whole context of the New Testament is the, the church as a loving family. There, there, there was no individualistic approach to Christianity spoken of uh, uh, in the New Testament. We, see, with this comes protection. This, this idea of watching out for one another. It's the 1 John 3.16 commitment, which says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives. In other words, to, to sacrifice, to be there for, for our brothers and sisters, it says. I've got your back. That's, that's what it's about. Watching out for one another, uh, watching out for one another is, is men of courage stepping into a small group where they can develop relationships of trust and honestly begin to share and talk about their struggles of, with anger or with pornography or whatever it is. Watching out for one another is, is obeying the 59, yes, 59 one another's in the New Testament. Be devoted to one another. Accept one another. Have concern for one another. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Live in harmony with one another. 59 of them. Read through uh, Acts and, the, and especially the epistles, the letters later in the New Testament, and see all the times that one another appears. It's clear that Jesus wants his followers to love, pray for, and care for one another. My, my Christian friend, please don't try to tell me that, that you're all good as you try to live some type of uh, Lone Ranger Christianity and without being solidly connected to a church family. And I, I've said this over the years, pre-COVID, just so you know, because it's biblical. And, and I know this is a unique time. Uh, of course, of course it is. But still, how could we ever expect on into the future that our Christian walk be in isolation when that's never the case, ever the case, for disciples in the whole of the New Testament? One of the ways that community, a true sense of biblical community, is cultivated is through small groups why we continue to talk about small groups, even in a season like we're living in. It's a big part of the loving people part of the Eaglemont mission statement. Love and care for one another can literally flourish in the context of a healthy small group. And I, I encourage you to connect in to a small group in our same page focus. At, again, you heard already, go to eaglemont.info. I really encourage you to do that. You may be thinking, ah, it's just, it's too much of an awkward time. Uh, uh, life's too crazy right now. Maybe, quite likely, but all the more reason 
that this connection for encouragement and support and prayer that, that we can receive and hopefully give is so important and even more important. Miriam and I are leading a group this fall. We don't, we don't feel like we need to be the leaders and the leader group, but quite frankly, uh, leaders were needed. And, and we're, we're happy to do that. But, but more than that, Miriam and I know that whether we lead or not, we need the community. We need to be a part of a group for the strength and, and the spiritual growth that it brings into our lives through, through the relationship with others in a loving group like that. Now, we can't, we can't possibly talk about biblical community these days without addressing the, uh, you might call it the, element, the elephant in the room. The, the New Testament priority of gathering together physically, which again has always been New Testament church. One of our council leaders recently in a discussion said it this way, he said simply we're, we're built for being together. Actually similar to that Donald Miller quote, we're built for being together. And that's why these last few months have been so incredibly challenging for so many of us. And then our, the council leader read from Hebrews 10, 25 uh, in that meeting. He, he just uh, turned uh, to his uh, scripture and, and, and read Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. That, again, big purpose for coming together. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Interesting comment. And of course, in this discussion, I recognize that there, are, that there are some who, for various health and personal reasons, are choosing not to gather in person right now, and we respect such decisions. But, but Eaglemont family, I am still, I, I feel responsible uh, before God as your pastor to lovingly and strongly encourage you uh, not to lose sight of the biblical priority of the gathering of believers. As, as you go through this very unique season, commit now, I'm asking you, please, for your uh, spiritual health and well-being on into the future. I'm asking you to commit now to not let disconnection from the body of Christ be your pattern on into the future. Please don't. It's, it's just spiritually dangerous. Online church? And I do use that term fairly loosely in, well, I, I, in relation to the New Testament definition of the word. Online is, is not a long-term option intended to replace the physical gathering of Christ followers who, who want to thrive in their relationship with Christ. Because part of that relationship with Christ is designed biblically by Jesus to be experienced in the gathering or in the community of believers. There are, uh, some of you have read, uh, uh, some of the uh, leaders and some Christian experts, or whatever you call them, people that are writing a fair bit these days about the importance of a church's online presence. And I agree. I agree with them. It's important. And COVID has taken us and a lot of other churches uh, into the digital realm uh, ministry area quicker than, than we otherwise would have. And, and that's, a, that's a good thing for the future outreach potential for the gospel in, in our culture, it really is. But, but take note of my wording. I said, it's not a long-term option for Christ followers that should replace the physical gathering of the church family, of those who are a part of the body of Christ by, by being Christ followers. Christian leaders are also writing about the potential dangers of online church. 
And again, let me stress, uh, I, I'm not referring here to the evangelism potential or to the outreach potential of a church's online ministry. It's a fantastic tool at our disposal to get the, the gospel message out. But, but these leaders, some of them are wisely pointing out appropriate cautions that over time, uh, connecting only online can feed into a self-focused faith and a consumeristic uh, Christian experience. And those two terms, consumeristic and, and Christianity, are mutually exclusive terms, if you know the definition, the New Testament definition of them. The whole picture that we see in the New Testament of how the body of Christ is to function, it just it stands in stark contrast to the mindset of, I like church alone in my pajamas. Pastor Dale Partridge makes the good point that for a couple or more decades in much of North American church life, Christians have somehow picked up the idea, or maybe they've been overtly taught, I, I don't know, but he says they picked up the idea that even the gathering of the church is not about corporate life, but rather that it's about a time for me to individually focus on God. And when we combine those two realities, uh, good consumer content online, and the perspective that it's personal worship, emphasis on the, on the word personal, we can easily begin to see how someone might view their at-home church experience as sufficient. But it's not New Testament church. If you've experienced a healthy and biblical uh, body life, you know the gathering in person is so much more. I mean, how can, how can we replicate online all that happens in the gathering of believers, both in the spiritual realm and in practical terms? The movement and working of the Holy Spirit when believers are together in unified worship and, and surrender to God is almost inexplicable. Believers able to look one another in the eye and share words of encouragement in that moment that are needed or, or stop and, and, and say, let me pray with you. And I, I love when that happens in our gathering and it does before and after and has over the years, the stories I've heard, very encouraging and it need, needs to happen more on into the future. It's worth coming together. Now, again, I understand the unique season. I'm not speaking to that, but uh, it, on in, into the future, it's worth coming to the gathering weekly, regularly. It's worth the, the, what, what may sometimes be the hemorrhage to get, the, to get there on a Sunday morning with your family. In one of the recent, uh, a recent follow Radical Instagram posts, uh, pastor and author David Platt, and you need to read his book, Radical Together, about the church. He wrote this, in that post, he said, the faithful gathered people of God turning their hearts to know God and love each other weekly is powerful. Christian author and speaker Janet Thompson from Saddleback Church writes about times when a church's online presence can be, uh, can be helpful to Christians who, uh, a variety of things, have to work uh, a Sunday shift or they're out of town on vacation or business uh, or have health issues that, that keep them at home, uh, which certainly is, is the case now. Uh, they, can, they can still feel 
connected to their church, and that's awesome. And, and they're able to track with the, uh, the Bible teaching as the Holy Spirit leads a, a church and a pastor in, in that important uh, area of spiritual growth and direction setting, and they, they can stay connected with that. Again, phenomenal. Uh, but, but she writes that for Christians, online church not but, this is her wording. Uh, for Christians, online church is a wonderful tool in an emergency, is how she words it. And, and certainly COVID, this COVID season is that. In these last several crazy months, I have been so grateful, as have many other pastors, for technology. We, we, we've talked among ourselves as pastors, you know, what if this, what if this happened even 20 years ago? It just, it just would have been so different. I'm grateful as well that our church's uh, council leadership has the evangelism vision to see that, that live streaming will be uh, a way for us to help get the gospel message to people who don't, don't yet know Christ and many of them in a place where they're just not ready to step inside a church building. Pastor Brennan and some great volunteers um, ha have been working hard toward getting this uh, live streaming operational. And as a, as a side note, if you uh, have a, a heart for spiritually lost people, you may want to contact Pastor Brennan if you want to help make this, uh, this outward bound online ministry uh, happen. There are people exploring faith who would not otherwise currently be doing so if it meant that they had to come into a building. I believe that, I know that. And, and, and COVID or not, <laughs> there will always be people at that stage. There's a lady who is new to our church family. She's connecting now on Sunday mornings in person along with her children. Her connection started online at eaglemont.church a few weeks after COVID hit. I asked her last week, if uh, earlier this week, I guess, I asked her if she'd share a bit of that story with you today, but she said that she was going to be away with her family, but that worked out just fine because she wasn't quite ready to do so yet. Um, but here's what she sent to me and allowing me to read it on her behalf this week or today. She writes, going to new places and Experiencing changes, especially alone, can bring on some anxiety for a lot of people, and I am certainly one of those people. After attending a goal-setting seminar in January, I had written a list of goals for many aspects of my life, family, finances, fitness, faith. My goal for faith looked like this, and here's what, what, how the email looked. Attend church regularly with a line stroke through it. Go to church once with a line through it. And then with a little check mark beside this statement, drive to the Eaglemont parking lot on a Sunday morning. Huh, baby steps, she writes. And, and by the way, I, I believe she's giving us very good insight here into where uh, many others who don't yet know Christ are, are at. She continues to write, well, COVID came along and shut everything down nearly eight weeks later and I still hadn't made it to the parking lot. There went my chance. I have this desire to learn and know Jesus and can no longer go to church until who knows when. 
I had looked up Eaglemont Church online and followed the social media pages. Uh, a few weeks later, I saw a post on Instagram with in the introduction to Mark Clark's The Problem of God series and instantly knew this was the beginning of my journey of discovery. Uh, we started that 10-week series on Easter Sunday this past Easter. She says, I ordered a Bible on Amazon and jumped on YouTube Easter Sunday and every Sunday after until church reopened. During, these month, during those months, I got to know the pastors through their YouTube teachings and through email conversations, which led me to the Christian Foundations course. It was face-to-face, -face, but still online, offering the anonymity without being anonymous. And now to Alpha, which, by the way, started this past Tuesday night. Eaglemont has been, she says, the most welcoming, comforting, honest place I've ever been. While I now prefer attending church in person, Having that comfort of the online option opened up the path for me as I would most likely still be working my way up to attending church in person. And now it's time for a new goal, she writes as she concludes. Like maybe sharing my own story on stage so Pastor Marlowe doesn't have to. <laughs> Love it. Online ministry, live streaming, it's, it's so worth investing in for people who are seeking truth. This is church, community. Church, also as cause. Community, cause. Church has a cause, and it's showing and sharing the gospel message. Here, we, we get to be, as, as Christ followers, as disciples of his, as learners, as apprentices of Jesus, we get to be on mission together with him by the power of the Holy Spirit, living out the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, love God and love people. Can't do that on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in his love, according to Mark 12. 30 and 31, love God and love people is the, the abbreviated version of Jesus' words there that have been known as the great commandment. And then the great commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go and make disciples of all nations, in other words, everyone around the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, the, the process of discipleship, of growing in our walk with Christ so that we increasingly reflect him well in the world in which we still live. And all that starts being on mission with Jesus, fulfilling the, the cause of Christ in the world through, through living out the great commandment and the great commission. All of it starts with being empowered by the Holy Spirit as we see in Acts chapter 2. He left, Jesus left us his power to be effective witnesses for him. And so the great commandment and the great commission, the cause of Christ brought into our everyday life, what does that actually look like? Here's a way we could think about it. Simplest, in, in, in simplicity, could be this. It's the very next person in front of you who needs to see and hear the love and message of Jesus, lived out with grace and compassion. It's the very next person in front of you, maybe even the person that cut you off. That's a, that's a lot of people. The, the very next person in front of us throughout our days. We, we, we cross paths, usually, with a lot of people every day. It's the person who serves us our coffee. It's the neighbor beside us who's struggling in some way. It's, it's the neighbor beside us who doesn't seem to be struggling and seems happy. It's the very next, the, the very next person in front of you could be the, the person that, 
that cuts your hair or that maybe it's that, maybe it's that obnoxious coworker or the single parent of the kid who plays on your kid's hockey team or it might be the reception, uh, the receptionist at your, your teenager's high school, not that you're going into the high school a lot these days, but uh, it could be the person that you play ball with. It could be a family member that's coming for Thanksgiving and you're already a little rattled about that. The very next person in front of you, God's calling you to them. God's calling me to them in some way to show them his love in action and to share his love in, 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 in explaining the good news of Jesus. So there's a couple of self-evaluation response questions that I want us to think about as we close. Community. How is it that I am actively cultivating community in my church family and fostering experiences of love, prayer, and care for the benefit of others? How is that happening? How is it that I am actively cultivating community in my church family and fostering experiences of love, prayer, care for the benefit of others? In other words, how am I giving and, and maybe even receiving, but primarily how am I, focusing on how am I giving, how am I going to give so that the one another's of the New Testament are fulfilled through my life? Some great fodder for prayerful evaluation in our lives as, as Christians. And then the area of cause. Who could the very next person in front of me be with, with whom I could show and share the love and message of Jesus? Who is it as you head home today or tomorrow as you get up and go to work or students as you go to school? Who could the very next person in front of me be with whom I could show and share the love and message of Jesus? And maybe it's someone online. Maybe it's through Facebook. Maybe someone comes to mind and you just, you just know you need to text them a message of encouragement with a scripture verse like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It talks about receiving peace instead of living with this anxiety. Who is that person? I encourage you to think about these two questions throughout the day today. And you might, might want to write some action steps that come to your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in these two areas. And today, if you have been listening and you, you're, you, you're not a Christ follower, you've never made that commitment of your life, that, that choice, that uh, intentional decision that is, that is your decision to follow Christ, to say, I, I want to leave my old life. I want to turn from my sin. I, I want to turn to my heavenly Father, to God who created me and sent his son Jesus. I want to trust Jesus as the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. And in, in a moment of expression of faith and asking uh, Jesus to be that in your life, instantly you become a part of God's eternal family. So you, you acknowledge that Christ died for you died for uh, taking on himself the penalty for our sin. Him dying so you wouldn't have to, so that you could live eternally. And then also that you invite him, as I said, to be the forgiver and leader of your life. And then in that also determining to obey him and follow Christ and, and, and get to know his word and, and how he has designed us to live life is, is right here and discover that in community with other Christ followers. I want to pray for you uh, if you are wanting to make that decision. 
And Father, I thank you for this time together today and I thank you for the truths that we've heard from your word that each one of us as Christ followers would, uh, would uh, allow your spirit to continue to speak to us as you know you need to uh, in the hours and, and days ahead in light of what we've heard today. And Lord, I lift up those who are making a decision right now to follow Christ, to surrender their lives to you, to trust you as the forgiver and leader of their life. I pray that they would know and, and, and have confidence in the fact that what you did on the cross and by virtue of your resurrection from the dead, supernaturally, their eternity is secure in heaven as they trust you. I pray that you would make this truth so real to them in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, text the number. Uh, on the screen and we would love to connect with you to uh, give you some resources to help you in your new walk with Christ. So I pray your week is uh, a week where you uh, are able to uh, sense God's peace in your heart and receive it as a gift and walk every day, even in those anxious moments and those big meetings and decisions and financial challenges, whatever you're facing, that you would sense God's nearness and in that you would know his provision and wisdom for everything that this week holds for you. God bless you.